Will you pray with me? Lord God, may now the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, may they be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. You know, to put my best foot forward, as it were, and most of all, to not say anything too dumb that might render impossible a future relationship. I want to, I want to impress you and, and, and reassure you that the bishop made a wise decision in sending me here to Freeport. Now, to continue the dating analogy, my anxiety is much like that of a blind date, because you see, I, I don't know you, and, and you don't know me. You didn't vote for me, I just kind of popped up one day, and now here we are together. Now I'm dying to get to know you, and please, ask me out to dinner. Hey, does anybody know what the pastor does all those days during the week? Time, I want to get to know you, but for right now, as things sit, we're strangers. And here I am wanting to appear to entertain and to engage you, but, but not to appear trite or comical. I'm up here, and here we both are, and, and if I'm being honest, I'm thinking, and I've been thinking this since, since I heard I was coming here. What is it that these people expect of me? What is it that they would like to hear? And there you all are, looking back at me, wanting to appear the most welcoming, congenial, just a nice group of folks with whom any preacher would love to live and work with. And here I am also up here thinking, there are a lot of empty pews. Am I up to the task? And there you are, you're looking back at me, and I know some of you are thinking, gosh, he looks young. Too young. How long will it take to train him? How long will the honeymoon last? Is there going to be a honeymoon? So here I am, and, and, and there you are. And you're wondering, well, this new pastor, will he, will he take time for me? Will he bother to listen to my story? Will he care to and that I found a home into? Is he going to embarrass us, or will he be good for us? And I'm looking right back at you. And I'm wondering, will I have time for all of them? Will they take time to get to know me as a person, or will they always just know me as, oh, the preacher? Up here, we're on this date, and I'm wondering, are you good enough, kind enough, patient enough, enlightened enough to have me as your pastor? Are they going to receive my sometimes offbeat way with sermons? Are they going to wear me out with criticism and con Wondering... Can he help fix my marriage, perhaps? Can he make my teenager more interested in coming to church? Can he help my kids straighten up and behave? Can he, probably most of all, can he keep me interested in a Sunday morning? A first sermon is like a first date. See, we're both putting each other on trial. Now, knowing that this was going to happen, I tossed and turned in preparing for this sermon, wondering what it is I should say and exactly how I should say it to you. And first, say it, talk about how, oh, Christ is the hermeneutical key to interpreting the scriptures. And whew, but no, no, I thought better. Of, but no, better stay out of controversial matters. <laughs> and so it continued, me just rummaging about my old files, searching desperately for something impressive enough, entertaining enough, yet spiritual and, and humble enough, inspirational too, and do it all in 20 minutes or less in my very first sermon. Well then, as so often happens, I managed to find some really good advice from someone much older and wiser. An old preacher who had... 
See, in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2, Paul is reminiscing about his preaching at First Church Corinth. And he says to them, Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Now, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong so that no human being might boast before God because it is due to him and him alone that you are in Christ Jesus who became for us the wisdom from God as well as the righteousness. And Paul continues, he says, when I came to you as your preacher, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God with lofty words or wisdom for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And if you could see my... In essence, Paul says to First Church Corinth, there you are. Not that wise by the world standards. Not all that big and powerful of a church. There you are, and here I am, Paul, no silver-tongued orator over here, just a poor, anxious, often inadequate, sometimes disconnected, often boring, poor Bible-quoting preacher. No charismatic, good-looking TV evangelist just a plain speaker of the plain good news. Not that you and just me, just the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all we have. And Paul's sermon strategies, I noted that, well, his preaching strategies are interesting, namely in that he doesn't even try to be interesting. He says, I decided to know nothing among you, no six steps to salvation, no surefire way to riches and happiness, no smooth, religious-sounding big words. No, he, he says, I was determined to know nothing but the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, Paul says, is, is the only reason, well, the, the only good reason you are. And we're both looking at one another and putting each other on trial, focusing on this whole dynamic rather than on the God who is making all of this possible, on the Holy Spirit who has empowered this church for over 100 years. Because you see, the church isn't about me, and it's not about you. It's about the wisdom and power of God at work. That we have this God who has this bizarre habit of the way he gets things done. is by And the fact that it's, it's not about you or me is, well, I think that can be a very tough gospel truth for us to wrap our brains around, and especially to hold on to, because, well, it's so easy to get confused. It's so easy for a church to get confused into thinking, you know, if we could get just the right staff people here, if we could get just the right pastor, you know, the one who, who is great with old people, whatever else you want to add into that, if we could get just that right guy, or you could flip it around and say, you know what, we could have a really great church if we could just weed out all these halfway committed people and get this place down to the, the really, really serious Christians. But see, Paul says, no, that's not the way Christ works. Christ works by taking a group of people, not many all that wise, none too powerful and competent, people with finite budgets and time, and uses them to show what an infinite, wise, powerful, and competent God can do. And I'm sure in your better moments, you know that the fact there is a church here doesn't have to do with the planning of our denomination, doesn't have to do so much with the history of Freeport in this community, but it has everything to do with the spirit and the wisdom and the power of God that has been at work here for so long. I've talked to several of you who just said, you know, I just kind of ended up here. We're here because a competent God has been at work. And so he's taking flawed people like you and like me 
and using us to do his work. People like us are being saved, are being sent out on mission, are being used by God to take over the world for the kingdom of God. And that's what this whole church thing is about. I'm reminded of a friend of mine. He was getting to know his very first church. And he asked one of his longtime members, so tell me what it is you love about our church. And he said, well, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. I guess I just know that God is really there. He's really here because when I think back to all the terrible, lousy preachers we have endured over the years, the fact that there's a church here at all tells me that it's definitely the wisdom and power of God at work. And you know, I think the guy was right. Maybe not right about preachers, but he was, he was right about the church and right about God. And so here I am up here and I'm, I'm wanting to, to give you something brilliant. And there you are wanting to be brilliant, wanting to be looking like the best group of church. It's not about brilliant people. It's about a brilliant God who loves to take people just as they are and use them to do something wonderful and extraordinary. Now I confess that Much of the time, I would rather trust in whatever wisdom and power I've got than risk trusting in the goodness of God to provide for the church and give direction. But then I have to remember, you know, we only have to look at the Bible in a most cursory way to put that to rest because our God is the God who created the entire universe out of nothing, who turned water into wine, who raised the dead to to life, and surely you've got to say that that God can make disciples out of a bunch of imperfect souls in Freeport. I think he has that covered. And you know, I think that's just what God is doing here. What a great church I was getting. And I don't know how it is so much in Freeport, but I know in the churches I served in East Texas Road, well, it's got to be the wisdom and power of God at work. I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. And y'all aren't the greatest church in the world. But that's okay. Because the greatest God in the world is shocking the world with God's ability to make something out of nothing. To make something brilliant and wonderful. To make the people of God out of people who would just be strangers and ordinary folk. People who would otherwise be not so brilliant or not so... Pray that I would rely on God to give direction and not my own self. Pray that I would look to Jesus and not myself in all things. And also pray that on my last day here, and I hope that's a long time from now, but on my last day here, I will be able to say that when I first came to Freeport United Methodist, First United Methodist Freeport, I didn't come preaching lofty words of wisdom or fancy spiritual stuff. I preached Jesus Christ. I preached the simple, unadorned good news that God is saving the world being able to say that. But back, getting back to this very present moment where there's the diagnamic of us looking at one another. It's you and me. We're on this date. And the date's coming to a close now. This is the point where I'm walking you up to the front door. And it's that awkward moment. And I'm sitting here on my side wondering, should I go in for the kiss? But I am even more excited. I cannot wait to see as I live and as I serve among you, what a great, wise, powerful, and competent God we've got. Amen and thanks be to God.